Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we're going to begin a three-week series on marriage called Till Death Do Us Part. And um, somebody was, was praying uh, with me before service, and I guess they saw the bulletin front. And it was actually Kay, head of our, pray, our prayer team. And she, her whole prayer was about, you know, anoint Pastor Rocky to preach about marriage. And I listened to her, and when, I got to, when she got to the end of her prayer, I said, I guess you looked at the bulletin front, and you thought today was about marriage, till death do us part. She said, yeah. And I said, no, it's, it's, it's actually about the upcoming election, till, till death do us part. No, no. There were three friends that were hanging out in the coffee shop one day, and their conversation turned to the issue of death. And one of the friends asked the others, he said, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? One of the friends answered, and he said, well, I would want people to say, he was a great humanitarian who cared for the well-being of others. The second friend spoke up, and and he said, "I, I would want people to say, He was a great husband and father, an example for many to follow. The third friend spoke up and he said, well, I would hope that someone would say, he's moving. (laughs) Death is inevitable. It is going to happen. And chances are you will probably have no control over what eventually kills you. But you do have absolute control over the legacy that you will leave behind. When I married Mandy, I felt invincible. 20 years old, I felt like I would probably live forever. I I had no control over that. As much as I probably thought I did, I have no control over that. I I could have been her husband for 50 years, 15 years, 15 months, or 15 minutes. I had no control over that. But what I can control is whether or not I will remain married and faithful to her for the duration. That is something that I can control. And as I share with couples that are going through premarital counseling with me, the stability of marriage is a byproduct of an iron-willed determination to make it work. Calling it quits must never become an option if you want to go the distance in your marriage. Words like divorce and separation must never enter your vocabulary. And that is something that Mandy and I have stayed true to. I'm not telling you that we've had the the best of marriage at times. It's been rough. There's been some wonderful moments. I will tell you this in complete transparency. Last year was a rough year for us. We knew that we were going to make it though. We knew that no matter what we were facing, no matter how much stress that life was throwing at us, that calling it quits was never an option for us and that we were going to keep pushing through. I'm reminded of a conversation that I had just a few months ago with Wayne Snellgrove. And Wayne, you said something to me that that I immediately went to my phone and I put your quote in my phone and here's what Wayne said. He said, I would like to see God divorce-proof our church. I would like to see God divorce-proof our church. I would love for us to become known as, man, at that church, their marriages are strong. I would love for people to look at us and say, 
And nobody gets divorced at that church. I would love for us to be that congregation that that when friends are going through troubled times that couples are able to look at them and say, hey, you want to save your marriage? Come to our church. Not because of what I can say and because of what I can do. And it has everything to do with what Christ can do. And, and I am, I'm convinced that if, if we would just let Christ be the foundation of our homes, that there is absolutely nothing that can destroy our marriages to destroy our homes. A few years ago, Mandy had a GMC Acadia, and Mandy really liked this car. And um, it started having some transmission problems. The transmission started slipping, and I knew we were in trouble. And so I immediately took it to the dealership to get it checked out. And sure enough, it needed costly transmission repair. Thankfully, though, the vehicle had a five-year powertrain warranty that transmissions are covered under. And we were still within that five-year period. So I was standing at the, at the desk there at the, at the dealership, at the service counter. And they informed me that we had one little problem. We were within our five years, but the car had 101,000 miles on it. And the powertrain warranty, you guessed it, was for five years or 100,000 miles or whichever one comes first. Boy, that's some fine print right there, isn't it? And they did not cover the cost of the repair. 101,000 miles. You had to make that one extra trip to see your daughter in Tennessee, didn't you? (laughs) These types of warranties are for the benefit of the manufacturer, and they're never for the benefit of the consumer. They sound great in theory, but they they know when their parts are going to start wearing out. I'm convinced they know it. To, I mean, it's a science. They, they just, I mean, unless you just get a lemon, it's going to last until that warranty is up and then everything starts falling apart. If the warranties were designed for the benefit of the consumer, you would have unlimited mileage during that five-year period. I mean, drive it until the doors fall off, right? And when the doors fall off, we'll put new doors on your car for you. But actually, the doors are not included in the powertrain warranty. <laughs> Again, benefiting the manufacturer, right? Hey, by a show of hands, how many of you wrote your own wedding vows? Like you wrote your own. You're you're creative, you wrote your own wedding vows. Okay. How many of you, by a show of hands, had traditional vows where you recited them after the pastor or the officiant that was performing the ceremony? Let me see those. Okay, because that's that's what we did. And personalized wedding vows can be special because they can speak directly to the heart of your spouse. And and if you're creative enough, you can include inside jokes in your personalized wedding vows that you write for one another that only the two of you understand. But don't knock traditional wedding vows. They're tried and tested. They do. They stand the test of time. And they have also given us some of the greatest TV moments because who can forget the infamous, I, Ross, take thee, Rachel. But it wasn't Rachel. (laughs) Have you noticed that when you say your wedding vows that they're not necessarily for your benefit? Think back to your wedding vows. I mean, when we say things like, I'm going to stick around. I mean, this is not verbatim, of course. But but I'm going to be with you in good times and in bad times. When we say things like, for better, for worse. 
for richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. And reciting these vows benefits the one that you were saying them to, not necessarily you. Now, when they say it to you, it benefits you. But when you make that vow, you're saying something that benefits them. And if these vows are going to benefit both of us, they should probably say something like this. Till death do us part or we kill each other, whichever one comes first. That's a powertrain warranty right there. Most of the vows that you recite are basically saying, I'll love you no matter what crap life throws at us. I am committed to this no matter what happens, we're together. But, but part of the wedding vows that cause us to pause is that whole till death do us part because that means I'm in this thing for life. Genesis chapter 23, I want to read verses 1 through 6. I will come back and read a few more verses in just a few moments. So leave your, your Bibles or your digital devices open to Genesis chapter 23. If you do not have your Bible with you today, it will be on the screen for you to follow along. Genesis chapter 23, verse 1. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah, and Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abram went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I'm a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my Lord. You are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. You know, wedding ceremonies can get expensive. My son and his fiance are planning their wedding that's going to take place in May. And this is that moment that I'm thankful that, that I'm the father of the groom and not the father of the bride. My day is going to come with Kendall. And I told Mandy yesterday, uh, we, were, we were just talking about the upcoming wedding and she was talking about when Kendall gets married. And I told her, I said, listen, if, if we can afford it, we'll, we'll pay cash. And if not, I want to give her the wedding of her dreams. I'll take out a loan if I have to, to make sure that, that Kendall has the wedding. But uh, for right now, this year, 2020, I think I'm getting off pretty cheap getting rid of one of my kids. <laughs> but because of a limited seating capacity at the place of their reception, Caleb and Mariah have struggled over which guest to invite. You see, they would want all of you to be there. And I told them to invite everyone that wants to come to the wedding at the church, but, but have the reception as invite only. And I know that can seem a little rude, but we're in a day and age where I think people understand. I did one wedding this past year where there were eight people at this outdoor wedding, including the bride and groom and my wife and myself. It was simple, quaint. It was, it was just a very intimate setting until we walked into the Gateway Grand for the reception and there were hundreds of people gathered there for the reception. I'd never seen this before. 
Only a few people invited to the actual wedding, but everybody was invited to the reception. We were not invited to the wedding of Abraham and Sarah. When we meet them in scripture, they are already married. We have no idea how many years they've been married. But we do get to walk with them through some significant events in their life. And in my opinion, what we just read was the last great test for Abraham and his marriage. You see, he cannot, he must not, he shall not bury her in a free burial plot that he did not pay for. This would be like you going by the cemetery on your way home from work, picking up some free flowers from some of the tombstones laying around, taking them home from your wife, uh, taking them home to your wife as a gift to her. Don't do it, men. Don't do that. Don't do it. Whether she tells you or not, she wants you to invest in her. Just a public service announcement. We'll, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming in just a moment. Public service announcement for all you men. This Friday is Valentine's Day. Put a reminder in your phone. You can go ahead and get your phone out right now. Put a reminder in your phone. Do not forget this, okay? Don't forget to buy her something. Put some thought behind it if you can. And I don't care what agreement that the two of you think that you have. We don't do Valentine's Day. Don't fall for that trap, man. I'm telling you. You don't do Valentine's Day until you do Valentine's Day. And there is no warning and it's subject to change at any moment, okay? You may go 10 years not celebrating Valentine's Day, but there's going to be that day where she decides today we're celebrating Valentine's Day. She realizes that she's the only one at work that didn't get a gift. They all come in the next business day and they're all talking about Valentine's Day and what they did and where they went to eat and all that. And she's the only one that cannot talk about it. Now, she either makes up something and lies to make you look like a better husband. Or she comes home crying and you're going to pay for it for the next few weeks. Just trust me in this. Don't abide by your agreement. Never abide by that agreement. What about those people, though, that say, but we choose not to celebrate on that one commercialized day of the year. We celebrate all year. Well, that sounds great, but that's stupid. <laughs> you will go broke celebrating your love every day of the year if she agreed at some point in your marriage not to celebrate valentine's day one of two things has happened either one your home is broke and you and her both know it you better go find somebody's garden somewhere and pick some flowers and bring them home to her or she's letting you off the hook because she simply knows that you are going to forget. And that's going to get old quick. One more thought about this, and then I'm going to get back to the, to the message. I don't, I don't know why, why I'm on a soapbox, but finally, Valentine's Day is not about your kids. Don't put your kids before your spouse. It's good for your kids to see mommy and daddy making time for each other with no disruptions and no distractions. And how many of you know kids are a disruption and a distraction now, for these, these beautiful babies that we just dedicated this morning, they're gifts from God until they're a disruption and a distraction, and then they're not. They're, no. Valentine's Day is not about the kids. It's about making more kids. <laughs> so, 
You see, I knew the men would amen me right there. I knew it. And Abraham has a choice to make. Abraham has a choice to make, and if he makes the wrong one, I'm convinced that Sarah is going to come back from the dead and haunt him for the rest of his life. Verse 10. Now Ephron was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is, that is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, but if you will hear me, I give the price of the field, accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver, what is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weights current among the merchants. In other words, the fair asking price for the day. He didn't skimp on this. Abraham paid full price for somewhere to bury the woman that he loved. And this was the great last test of his love for Sarah. They offered to give him the land and the cave that was there so that he could bury her there. I mean, she would never know, right? She's deceased. Why waste money when they're offering to give it to you? But what you have to understand is that when you have stuck it out through the good times and the bad times, I mean, I can't help but remember what we know about their marriage. And, and there was this time when, when they went into Egypt but, but Abraham feared for his life. And so he lied to Pharaoh and he lied to all of the Egyptians about who Sarah was. And he said, this is my sister. And he told that lie just to save his own hide so that they wouldn't kill him. When you've stuck it out through the good times and the bad times, when you've stuck it out for better or for worse, how about the time that Sarah could not conceive? Instead of waiting on God, she offered her servant to Abraham. And when, those, when that child was born, Ishmael, and later Isaac to Sarah, this would create animosity between Sarah and her servant, and between Isaac and Ishmael. And to this day, the descendants of their children war with each other. You see, when you've stuck it out for richer, for poor, what about that time that Abraham's nephew Lot, they stood on the side of a mountain trying to decide who was going to, to take which land. They, it was time that they, they separated, that they parted paths. And Abraham being older and wiser and, and much more deserving, he could have said, we're going to take the greener pastures. We're going to take the better land. But, but he looks at his nephew Lot and he says, I'll tell you what, you choose. And he chooses the greener pastures, what looks like the better land. 
I wonder how Sarah felt about that. You see, when you've stuck it out in sickness and in health, we don't know what she died from. The Bible doesn't tell us what sickness she had. I mean, good Lord, she was old. She probably just died because she was old. But it does happen in Scripture. Her death happens right after we read about Abraham coming very close to sacrificing, sacrificing Isaac when the Lord at the last moment provided a ram in the thicket. Can you imagine when Abraham and Isaac got home and Isaac went running up to his mom and he said, Dad almost killed me. Can you imagine what, what Sarah probably said to Abraham? She says, one of us is going to die today. We will be parted by death. Right after you read about that, the next chapter says that she died. The one thing that I know about their marriage that I read in Scripture is that there were mistakes made on both sides. They didn't have this cookie-cutter marriage that, that, that we want to read about and let that be an example. No, they had a real marriage. Anybody else in the room have a real marriage where, where you mess up today but she messes up tomorrow? And you have to find some way to work through it and to forgive each other and to move past it? That's the kind of marriage they had. They've endured all the hardships and all of the trials. You see, when you've stuck it out in the good times and the bad times, when you've stuck it out for better or for worse, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, when you've stuck it out, then you will want to love and cherish them even in their death. And you will make sure that you pay top dollar for the place to bury them and to honor their life. And that's how much Abraham loved Sarah. In closing, I want to share with you the story of Otufashu. It's the story of two young men, one Japanese and one American, that fought at the town's festival, the old castle grounds in Okinawa, where the American named Danielson became a man that would fight for her honor. I'm sorry, I got confused. That's from Karate Kid 2. No. <laughs> the story of Odufashu is actually the legend of Divorce Rock. And it's the story of, of how the Okinawans dealt with their ups and downs of newlyweds on their small little island of Okinawa, Japan. See, the legend goes that when the young couple, the young married couple, the newlyweds were not getting along and, and they were determined that they would no longer live together. That their two families would, would put the husband, the young husband in one boat with his family and they would put the, the, the young wife in a boat with her family and they would paddle out to this rock that was called Divorce Rock. They would get there, and on this rock, both families would, would make their appeals to the young couple. They would start giving them advice on how to work through their differences. And if they could not get it settled at the, at the end of the day, the families would pack up in their respective boats, but yet they would leave the young couple there on the island, on the rock, and they would leave them there with one small blanket. That's it. One small blanket. And they would paddle away, leaving them there for the night. At dusk, 
They were both defiant, sitting as far apart from each other on the rock as they possibly could, neither one of them willing to give an inch. But you let those night breezes start blowing in off that ocean. Dom would usually find them holding each other tightly, both under the blanket. And the fire of their hearts rekindled. Legend has it some of the strongest, longest-lasting marriages were forged on that rock. And my prayer is that this month, February of 2020, that our marriages will be forged upon the rock that is Christ Jesus. If you're considering divorce, if you're considering separating, I ask that you commit to this series. If you will allow the love of God to penetrate your heart, you might just find a way to forgive. You might find a way to reconcile. And you might find a love that says, till death do us part. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.